question because as uh, many of you all know very well, there are so many different interpretations with regards to the gospel. You ask the average person, what is the gospel? And they will give you about 10 or 20 different um, definitions for that. Okay, who can give me one definition? You can tell me what the gospel is. Good news? Okay. And that's, uh, that's pretty much the number one on the list, the good news. All right? Some will say it's the New Testament or the four books, the New Testament, yeah. I would say it is the um, understanding of the Torah, the law. Okay, that's what you would say. But in generally speaking, most people would say the good news. Yeah. Israel coming back to redeem his people. Okay, well, you see, because you have that understanding, and that's why you're answering based on that. But I'm asking the question based on before you know what you know today, right? Like 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Jesus coming to die for the world. Okay, so I asked the question, who was the gospel preached to and why? Okay, we will be looking into these and many more questions. Let's go to the next slide. It has been commonly taught that when Jesus, we're going to use this term Jesus, because that's what the world uh, can relate to, came into the world as man, as a man, it was to save the whole world. Is this true according to the scripture? It is also taught that his suffering and death was for the whole world. We all know when uh, Passover comes around, or Easter comes around, even when Christmas comes around, December 25th, the whole projection is about Jesus coming to die for the whole world. Joy to the world, da, 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 da. you know the songs already, right? So we will be able to answer these questions in this study. It's a very important study. Is that also true according to the Bible? So we follow up with a statement. Is it true according to what? The Bible. That's the important thing. Because we all have our own personal view based on hearsay, what people have said, what you have heard people say. But we're going to look at what the Word actually says in context, okay? Let's go to the next slide. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. Let's see who the gospel was preached to. To whom, okay? Luke 4, 16 to 19. It says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Shabbat day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Let's see what was written, okay? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he had anointed me to preach the gospel. So the Spirit of the Lord anointed him to preach the gospel. To who? The poor. He has sent me to do what? Heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them 
that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now you notice that I have uh, bolded some very key points. It's not an accident that he read from this portion of the Torah, of the Tanakh, the prophets, the Nevi'im. The poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, sight, recovered of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. These all go back to other places in the scriptures. Remember, brothers and sisters, there was no new what? Testament. No New Testament. So, the references, the connection has to go back to where? The Tanakh, the scriptures. Okay? Let's go to the next slide. Let's see where he was quoting from. And he was quoting from the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verses 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach the good tidings. Now you see the word here is a little different from what we read before. It says good gospel, right? To preach the gospel. But over here it says good tidings. Unto who? The meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Verses 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of Yahweh, the Lord, and the day of vengeance to our God, to comfort all that mourn. Verses 3, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. That he might be what? Glorified. So the Most High have certain trees that he has planted, and there are other trees that he has nothing to do with. His own special garden. Amen? So this is where he was reading from. This is where he was quoting from. The book of Isaiah. Next uh, slide. And they shall build the old wastes. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the waste cities. The desolations of many generations. It says they, they, they. All the way through, right? And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. Now, he didn't read all of this, right? We'll cover that. And the sons of the aliens shall be your plowmen. That sounds like people working for us. Doesn't that sound like that to you? And your vine dresses. Do you hear that in the church? No. But you shall be named the priests, plural, of the Lord. Men shall, men, men, other people, shall call you the ministers of our God. We're ministering to who? To God. Priests take care of the Most High. Right? You, ye, shall eat the riches of who? The Gentiles. So we are exploited. 
if that's a, a word to use. We are benefiting from those other nations, right? Of the Gentiles, and in their glory shall you, O ye, boast yourselves. Now, this is all part of the same gospel that Yeshua read. All part of the same gospel. They only deal with certain parts of it, but all of this they ignore because this is the future. This is what's to come. Amen. Let's go to the next slide. Verse 7. For your shame you shall have double, and for your and for confusion, excuse me, they shall rejoice in their portion, therefore in their land they shall possess the double. Whose land? Their land. In their land they shall possess the double, everlasting joy shall be unto them. So it's not going to be in heaven. Verse 8, for I the Lord love judgment. So for all the centuries a particular people have been suffering under another group of people. And he is a righteous judge. He looks at everything and he puts things back in balance. I hate robbery for burnt offering and I will direct their work in truth. I will make an everlasting covenant with who? The world? Does it say that? No, it says with them. And their seed their seed. This has to do with physical lineage, brothers and sisters. Not some spiritual idea that we've been told in churches. But it's a physical seed shall be known among who? The Gentiles. So this, these are opposites. Their seed versus the Gentile people. Okay? And their offspring among the people, all that see them shall acknowledge them that they are the seed which the Lord hath blessed. Deuteronomy speaks of this. That the nations will know, will see, because I have given you the Torah. And they will see that you are a wise and understanding people. That's very important. Okay, verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of what? Righteousness as a bridegroom. So this is speaking about the Messiah, okay? The devil himself with ornaments and as a bride adorned herself with her jewels. For I, oh, excuse me, for as the earth bringeth forth her bud, and as the garden causeth the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before, before all the nations. So righteousness have to spring up while the nations are still around, brothers and sisters. This is all part of the good news, the good tidings of the gospel. Let's examine what does the word gospel mean. So we use the term a lot of times but we don't have the Hebraic background of understanding to know what it refers to, okay? In the New Testament, the Greek says good news. When you look at the word good news, it means good tidings. All right, let's continue. Preach good tidings. Let's examine this. 
The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings. So this word good tidings, we're going to examine this. Isaiah 61 and verses 1. Now, this word good tidings in the Hebrew is basah, which means good tidings. A primitive root, properly to be fresh, full, rosy, figuratively cheerful, to announce, a messenger, preach, publish, show hope, bring, bear, excuse me, bring, carry, preach, good, tell, good tidings. What was Yeshua saying? We're going to go a little bit deeper to get the essence of this word. It is interesting when we read the book of Genesis chapter 2, verses 22 and to verse 24. It says, And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he, what? A woman, and brought her unto the man. So we got a relationship. Take a woman out of man, but then he's going to bring them back again. You have Israel that's coming out with the Most High, but then he's going to bring them back again. That's the concept, a relationship. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Keep that concept in mind, because this is how we truly understand what the gospel is all about. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, shall a man leave his father. So wait a minute. When Abraham was in Chaldea, he do. He left his father and he came over because he wanted to be enjoined with the Lord. And when the Lord saw the faith of this man, he went into a covenant relationship through circumcision. I call it the ring around the dingling. Okay? Circumcision, putting that cutting that flesh right around, just like a woman received the ring on her finger. The male also circumcised around, okay? His loins. And that is a covenant. So therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be what? One flesh. One flesh. So let's look, go a little further and see what this is saying. Alright, let's look at this word basar. Basar. It means also what? What does it say? Flesh. flesh. So when we read the word good tidings, it says basar. When we read the word flesh, or basar, where it says flesh, it goes back to the same word. So what was Yeshua talking about? Let's look at this. The word for flesh is basar, or body, fat, fleshed, lean flesh, kin, kin or kindred, lean flesh, mankind, myself, nakedness, or skin. We have a picture here of bone. When Adam says bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, bone, because within the bone, that's where it's generate. What that's where the generation of the blood starts or begins within the bone. Bone also formed by calcium. 
calcium is no different from a stone. Right? That's why Yeshua is known as the rock of my salvation. Okay? Or the stone that is cut without hands. It goes, the Hebrew takes it all the way back to that. Okay? So on a deeper level, the basar, the good tidings, pertains to flesh. Let's go to the next slide. Who was Yeshua preaching to? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. So he is referring to two words that we found in the book of Genesis. Flesh and what? Bones. Bones and flesh. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 30 says, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. We find these uh, references that's repeated over and over and over again. Why? Because when we look at this, in the essence, the real foundation of what the gospel is, we will know that the gospel that was preached was only to a particular people that's in a covenant relationship. It's all about bringing together that which is mine, seed, flesh, bone. It has nothing to do with the other nations. And that's where the confusion comes in. Next slide. Who was Yeshua preaching to? He came to bring back his what? His flesh. His what? His bride, number two. And those whom he made an everlasting covenant with. That's very important. To restore that which was broken down. Let's continue. Next slide. Now we are going to look at this from the marriage talk perspective. The gospel. Isaiah 54, 5 and 6. It reads, For thy maker is thy husband. The maker is the husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and thy redeemer, the holy one of who? So the maker is the husband, and he belongs to who? Israel. The God of the whole earth shall he be called. Now where it says God, it's referred to as a power, the power of the whole earth. Doesn't mean to say this uh, relationship, a covenant relationship with all the nations on the earth. No. Your maker is your husband, the Holy One of Israel. Verse 6, For the Lord hath called thee, Israel, as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit. So when Yeshua opened the book, he came to comfort all those that mourn, those that were broken hearted. Isn't that connected to the word grieve? Being sad, depressed, and a wife of youth, when you was refused, saith thy God. Jeremiah 3 and 14. Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married. That's a covenant, right? Mm -hmm. Unto you, and I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to where? Not up in heaven, but to Zion. That's right on this earth. 
Do we get that? Yes. So, so far, we are speaking about the gospel. What is the gospel? Next slide. Marriage talk continue. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 31 33. Rab Shaul is speaking. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they two shall be what? One flesh. Going back to the covenant. This is a what? A great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the. Uh, no, not the church. That's the wrong English word. Strike. The church means what? Ecclesia or called out ones. But when you read the Bible, the ones that were called out was Israel. Abraham was called out from among the nations to become a people unto the Most High. Amen? Okay. Call out ones. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife. Love your wife the same way that Yeshua loves his bride, Israel. Even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence or respect or honor her husband. It's a relationship. You can't expect Yeshua to give his life and to sacrifice and do everything on behalf of Israel. And Israel sit back and sit back in the Cadillac and just relax. Do nothing. Do the nails and look good. No, it's a relationship. Okay? Next slide. Marriage. Covenant sealed with blood. Every covenant, true covenant, sealed with blood. True. I use that word for a reason. Because when uh, people go outside of the relationships, when I'm dealing particularly with marriage, they don't do things correctly, there is no blood. Exodus chapter 34 and 28. And he wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant, what? The Ten Commandments. You can read Deuteronomy 4, 13 and, and such like 1 Kings and Hebrews 9 and 4. He wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 20 says, For ye are brought, or bought, excuse me, with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Be bought with a price. Let's see what happened when the Ten Commandments, or the words were given, this covenant was brought forth unto the house of Israel. Exodus 24, verses 8. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant, which the Lord hath made with you. Remember what we read before, your husband is your maker. Right? Your maker is your husband. Which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. So blood was shed. Blood was shed to bind or to make this a true covenant. Let's see who was bought so that there's no confusion whatsoever. Psalms 74 and verses 2. Still speaking about the marriage covenant. Remember thy congregation. 
This is where the modern word church has um, evolved from, okay? Remember that congregation which you have purchased a whole, the rod of your inheritance which you have redeemed. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Spirit have made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own what? Blood. All of these things, we're going to cover that. These are very important pieces, okay? Something that was purchased from of old. Psalm says your congregation at that time was their Baptist congregation. No. Was he purchasing something for the future? Yep. Meaning the Baptist. No. Was blood shed for the Baptist church in the future? Which came hundreds, what? Thousands of years afterwards, right? Over 1900 years later, Baptist church arrived. Catholic church and all those other churches, right? But the congregation that uh, he redeeming is also known as what? Israel. Next slide. The marriage covenant is unbroken because we have in Christian dumb or dumb Christian that Yeshua came, done away with Israel, and is in a nice, cozy relationship with the church, also known as the different denominations. That's Christian dumb. Look it up. But we're going to examine that the marriage covenant between husband and wife has not been changed. Okay? John 11, verses 51-53. Let's see who he died for. And one of them, named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, You know nothing at all. Now consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people. So once death comes in, brothers and sisters, there is shedding of blood. Okay? And that the whole nation perish not. So these are very important clues. Verses 51. And this spake he not of himself. So Caiaphas wasn't speaking about himself. But being high priest that year, he prophesied that Yeshua should die for that nation. And not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were what? Scattered abroad. So we have that nation and we have the children of God. And we know from past studies this pertains to the two kingdoms of Israel. That kingdom, that nation, excuse me, is Judah. The children of God that were scattered abroad is Israel, the northern kingdom, the ten tribes. Next slide. Horeb. Now let's see what happened. Why he died. Because of past transgressions of the wife, the bride, what she had done after she came into covenant there were some issues, some problems. Like a lot of marriages, we have problems. 
and we have to work those problems out. So if we are willing to work those problems out, what about our king? Is he, is he not going to do the same with his bride? Let's see what it says. Second Chronicles chapter 21 and 13. But has walked in the way of the kings of Israel, and has made Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem to go a whoring. This is speaking about when the kings that were put in charge, they started to go astray. We're talking about Rehoboam, we're talking about all of them. You had some kings that were doing right and some kings that were doing wrong. Eventually they all dropped the ball and they had to be kicked out. Okay, Hosea 9 and 1. Rejoice now, O Israel, for joy as other people. For thou hast gone a whoring from your God, and you have loved a reward upon every corn floor. So it's it's like a woman who is working among, you know, in the field with other people, and she, she uh, sneaks off, and she goes somewhere in the barn and play around, sexually play around, okay? That's whoring. And this is what he's using. He's using these situations to explain to kind of, um, you know, explain the situation of Israel, the condition of Israel, of both tribes, both kingdoms of Israel. Hosea 6 and 10, I have seen a horrible thing in the house of Israel. There is the whoredom of Ephraim, Israel is the fire. And this particular uh, sentence is a reference or referring to the northern kingdom, the 10 tribes, okay? Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 6. The Lord said also unto me, In the days of Josiah the king, hast thou seen that which backsliding Israel hath done? She is gone up upon every high mountain and under every green tree. This is sexual talk. A woman that's going upon every high mountain and under every tree. And there have played what? The harlot. Not going to get into the, the details on that today. Okay? So what does upon and under mean in marriage talk? Think about that. I want you all to think about that, okay? Jeremiah chapter 3, verses 8. And I saw when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I have put her away and given her a bill of what? Divorce. Divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. So, just like Jacob had the two wives, he's equating them to the two wives. Saying that one of the wives went off, I have to let her go, but the other wife that remained, instead of she learning a lesson from that situation, she went and did the same thing as her sister did. There's a reason why I say sister. Because Jacob had, what? Two sisters. Okay? Which is a reference to the two houses of Israel. You can also read the, the whole chapter of Hosea, chapter 1. Let's go to the next slide. Kingdom divided. 2 Kings 15 and 29. So now we're going to get a little preview 
of what happened back in those days when they went a whoring, what happened to those Israelites, okay? The north and the south, but we're going to deal with the north right now. In the days of Pekah, king of Israel, King Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, and took Ijon, and Abel, Beth, Malach, Mach, and Jano, and Kadesh, and Hazor, and Gilead, and, and Galilee, and all the land of Naphtali, and carried them captive to where? Assyria. That's the reason why Jonah went to Nineveh, to preach unto the captivity of the northern kingdom of Israel. And the book of Tobit explains that very well. The first chapter. Isaiah 9 and verses 1. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation. Now you see that I underline the word dimness. So dimness, when your eyes is dim, you're considered legally blind. Is that correct? You can't really see to make out. When we read the um, the book of Luke, it says, it mentions about blindness. Is that correct? Okay? So this is part of the clues that we can understand why the Messiah was quoted from that particular book. Because he was telling us what he came to do. What this gospel was really all about. Let's read it again. Isaiah 9 and 1. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulon. Zebulon is, is where? Is who? One of the ten tribes of Israel. And the land of Naphtali, the northern kingdom. And afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan and Galilee of the nations. Now if you notice, it mentions Galilee, Naphtali, Dimness, Naphtali, Zebulon, Galilee. These words show up in the New Testament or the Great Hadashah. So when you look at where he went, as soon as he closed the book, the first place that he went to was Galilee. There's no reason why he went there. He didn't went somewhere else to Rome. He says, you know what? We're going to have a church. Because Peter's going to build this church called Rome, Vatican, and we're going to go there straight away and set things up. Ah, wrong. He went straight to Galilee because he was trying to restore the covenant relationship that he was in. Okay? Verses 2. The people, the people that walked in darkness. Why? Because the verse 1 says they were dim. You can't see because you lack the laws, statutes, and commandments of the Most High, the instructions to guide you. Your word is, your word is like a lamp unto my feet. You can't see a light to my path always. You're blind. Therefore, you're going to go like the other nations. And that's what he was addressing. Those people that walk in darkness, lack of Torah, have seen a great light as the Moshiach. They that dwell, they, they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them have the light shined, Amen. not the whole world. We are going to look at the book of Ruth. 
This is a very important passage in the scriptures. Very important to read it. Because in this book, it illustrates on another high level the role of the Messiah. Because the book says he came to heal the brokenhearted. Heal. Deal with sickness. All these different things. Recovering of sight for the blind. You, you name it. All of these things pertain to restoration. Okay? So now we're going to look at the story of Ruth in a nutshell to see that the Messiah was, was in there. This is all about the Messiah. And this is when Shavuot comes, we go through this reading because it pertains to the Messiah. The Messiah is also known as Restorer and Redeemer. Ruth chapter 4. Ruth chapter 4. Verses 1. Then Boaz, then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there. And behold, the kinsmen of whom Boaz spake came by, and unto whom he said, Ho, such a one, turn aside. Hey, you, come here. Sit down here. <laughs> and he turned aside and sat down. So Boaz is calling out the kinsmen because he wanted to make a deal. He was trying to find out where the mind of his kinsmen was. Someone had to, re to redeem or restore the, the covenant that was lost. Read the story of Ruth, you'll see what I'm talking about. And he took ten men of the elders. See, these are all clues, ten men pointing back to the ten tribes of Israel, of the elders of the city, and said, Sit ye down here, and they sat down. So the ten, which is also recorded in the book of Exodus, when Moses set the leaders, the captains, and down to the level of ten. Okay? And they sat down. And he said unto the kinsmen, Naomi, that is come again out of the country of Moab, Selleth a parcel of land which was our brother's Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, I want to announce to you, I want to let you know, okay? Saying, Buy before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people, if thou will redeem it, redeem it. In other words, you are the next in kin to restore not just the land and everything else, but marriage is also involved in that. Because according to Israel's laws, the laws of the scriptures, the one is found in the Torah, you got to restore your brother's house. Especially if he has no children, you are obligated to take your brother, your deceased brother's wife, to raise up children and take care of that young lady in your brother's name. Why? They carry the same seed. Why? Because we're speaking about a covenant that the Most High wants to continue unbroken. Okay? They didn't have welfare. They didn't have food stamp. They didn't have any social programs. Israel worked out their social uh, problems according to the Torah. Okay? Alright. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know. For there is none to redeem it besides thee, and I am after thee, he said, I will redeem it. Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi? Thou must buy also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, 
to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar my own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. So he forfeited his position, he stepped aside, and there's a process, Khalitsa, it's called, there's a process where they have to go through, and when they go through that process, the next in line takes over, but it must happen. Verse 7, now this was the manner of the custom in former time. This is also a clue, brothers, that points the past that connects to the future. Okay? In Israel, concerning redeeming and concerning changing. Concerning redeeming and concerning changing. This is important because it all goes back to restoration of the house of Israel. This is a story about Israel being separated and someone stepped up from the lineage, from the bloodline to restore Israel. Blood with blood, family with family. It's all a family affair. If a brother can't do it, the other one will take over. They can't be an outsider. That's why Yeshua did not join himself to the Gentiles, meaning the non-Hebrews, non-Israelites. He joined himself back to what pertains to bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Changing for to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe, Khalitsa, and gave it to his neighbor, and this was a testimony where? In Israel. Not in the whole world. In Israel. Next slide. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for thee. You go ahead and take the position. So he drew off his shoe. Now the custom is, take off the shoe, the woman spits in the man's face. I'll go into that as another class. Because it's a symbol of disgrace, breaking your responsibility. You're making an excuse, you don't, you don't want to step up to the plate and take care of the family business. Okay? Very important thing. But it had to happen this way, because Boaz symbolizes the Messiah. Okay? Everything is about the Messiah. When Boaz took his garment and he spread it over Ruth, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered you as what? A hen. I Psalms 91. Cover you with the what? The feathers. Boaz spread his garment over Ruth. It all goes back to Israel. It's a relationship. Amen? And Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, You are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilean and Malon of the hand of Naomi. So he covered both brothers. You see that? He covered both brothers. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Melon, Mahalon, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead, to raise up what? This is pointing back to Israel, brothers and sisters, because Israel was considered dead, cut off. Okay, the name of the dead upon his inheritance. Someone had to redeem the name of the dead. 
that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren. Why? Because when we read about Caiaphas, he's not to die for one nation, that nation, but he should die to gather together all those that were scattered abroad. He's not only looking out for one, he, he also covered two. It was two brothers, right? Two. Two houses of Israel that needed to be restored back. And one man stepped up to the plate and did all this. And it connected back to one woman, which is Ruth. And she was not a Gentile. Thank you. That's another class. Okay, where did I stop? Among his brethren, and from the gate of his place, because this is where judgment and making deals took place. The elders sat at the gate. This is where their the deals were settled in a public square. That's why, when in this modern time, they counterfeited and have the idea when you're going to settle something, you settle it in front of the courthouse. It used to be out in the public in a courthouse. Okay. Buying and selling and different things like that. But then they took it on the inside of the courthouse. Okay? You are witnesses this day. Let's go to the next slide. And all the people that were in the gate and the elders, these are the judges, said, We are witnesses. We are witnesses. Exodus, when Moses brought the commandments down to the men, we all that the Lord says we will do, we are witnesses. Always have the elders in there. We are, we are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that is come into thine house, like who? Rachel and Leah. Which two, these two ladies, did build the what? The house of Israel, or two houses. Rachel and Leah symbolizes the two houses of Israel that built up. Okay, and it's not a coincidence that when Moses passed the baton to the men who had to enter into the promised land, there were two leaders, Joshua and Caleb. They both came, they were both heads of the kingdoms of Israel that moved in, prophetically speaking, right? Joshua was an Ephraimite. He was the head of the ten. Caleb was Judahite. He was over the south. The Bible has always been showing us this pattern throughout of what is to come in the future. Okay? And so it continues. Which uh, two did build the house of Israel and do thou worldly in Ephrathah and be famous in where? Bethlehem. And let your house be like the house of Perez whom Torah bear unto Judah of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her what? Conception. At that time, the Lord was with, there with him to seal the deal. Conception. And she bare a son. So, Ruth was a woman who was in a forced marriage, but the husband died. She's free, right? But now she comes into a second marriage. 
to a kinsman who redeemed her. Now she was not a virgin. The same thing with Yeshua bringing back Israel who is not in that sense a virgin. She was before, but because she got went away, she got the fire, she comes back, now he's going to restore her. Everything will be restored back again. These are all types. Verses uh, 14. And the woman said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman. Very important, because it goes back to blood, bones, and body. That his name may be famous where? In, in Israel. Israel. The world. That's right, the Messiah. Verse 15, and he, and he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, the life of Israel, and a nourisher of thine old age. Hmm. For thy daughter-in-law, thy daughter-in-law which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons have borne him. There's a reason why I mentioned seven. Why? Complete perfection. Okay? But all age is mentioned here because even Naomi herself in this particular text is a type of an old Israel. An old Israel who had sons to continue, but the sons were cut off. I have no one to continue, so I passed my mantle to my daughter-in-law. And through her now, she's the new Israel, the restored. Everything connects back, brothers and sisters. Everything connects back. Verse 16, and Naomi took the child, so it's the old and the new coming back together, the restoration. Naomi could not have any children, but through Ruth, she was able to have a child to restore her children that was lost. And Naomi took the child in her bosom and became nurse unto it. Why not Ruth? Why Naomi? And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to who? Was a son actually born of Naomi? Ah, the Bible is trying to tell us something here. You see that? And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of who? That was King David. And King David is a type of the Messiah. So the story of Ruth is all about the Messiah. Let's go to the next slide. Isaiah 42 verses 22. Let's look a little deeper into restoration. But the Messiah, job, just like Boaz, was to restore Israel. Isaiah 42, 22. But this is a people robbed and spoiled. Naomi was robbed of her sons. They all are of them snared in holes. They are hid in prison houses. They are for a prey. None delivereth. None delivereth because when Boaz turned to the man who was next in line and said, Hey, are you going to deliver this lady? I don't want to deal with this. You got it. So none delivereth for his spoil, and none saith restore. So this kinsman didn't want to restore. The Messiah is to restore. Isaiah 49, 5 to 7. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb, speaking about the Messiah, to be his servant 
Jesus to serve, I was sent unto but the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I was only sent to Israel, sent, 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 to be a servant, to bring Jacob again to him. So when he came, he came to bring. He didn't came to lose. Why would the Most High send the Messiah to bring Jacob again? Jacob doesn't want to come, so guess what? Forget about them. He will not give up until he redeemed. He will not fail at his mission. Because the Messiah was sent to fulfill his mission. He never failed. The world wants us to believe that he changed his mission. I don't deal with these Jews anymore, I'm going to the Gentiles. That's a lie. To bring Jacob again to him, though Israel be not what? Gathered. Even though when Messiah came on the scene, the tribes were scattered, but he still came. That was the prophecy. He did not fulfill all of it. He started a process of restoration. Yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. Even though I did not fulfill it at that particular time, I thought I glorify you. Glorify me, I glorify you. Isn't that what he said in the New Testament? Okay. Verse 6, And he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant. It's so easy. To do what? Raise up the tribes of who? The whole world. Baptists, Methodists. To raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore, did we talk about restoration with Boaz? The preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for light to the lost. Exactly, the lost sheep. That thou mayest be my salvation unto what? The end of the earth. Why? Because we have been scattered all over the earth and we have become as the Gentiles. We'll cover that. Next slide. Isaiah 58, verses 11 to 13, verses 11. And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water, whose water fail not. Hmm. Out of my belly shall flow rivers of living water. He stood up in front of the people and he made this declaration. Why? Woman, this well that you're drinking from, you're gonna almost thirst. But if you deal with me, you'll never thirst. Did he say that? And they, uh, and they that shall be of thee shall build the always places. So it's talking about people that was before that were in existence. So the church is teaching that the people have been forgotten and lost. If you have been rejected, forgotten, and lost no longer in a covenant, why would the prophets prophesy restoration of waste places? Thou shalt raise up the foundation of what? Many generations. Isn't that what Boaz did to restore the breach? To restore the name of the deceased? And thou shalt be called what? The repairer of the breach. The restorer of paths to dwell in. So he is known, the Messiah is known as the, the preparer and the restorer. Is that correct? Amen. Praise the Most High. 
Let's go to the next slide. Restore, Jeremiah 27 and 22. They shall be carried to Babylon, that's Judah, and there shall they be until the day that I visit them. The day that I visit them. We know that um, they came back afterwards, but this is also has this also has a double meaning dealing with us in these last days. Until the day that I visit them, saith the Lord, then will I bring them up and do what? Restore them to this place, not in heaven. Okay? Jeremiah 30, verses 17 to 18. For I will restore health unto thee. Isn't this what was read in the book of Isaiah when he opened the book? Restoration, restoration of health. Restore, 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 recover, repair. It's the same thing, repeated over and over. And I will heal thee of thy what? Wounds. They were wounded. Say the Lord, because they called thee an outcast, saying what? This is Zion, whom no man seeketh after. Nobody cares about us. You people are Israelites? Come on, get out of here. Y'all are the N-word. Y'all are the M-word. Y'all are this word and that word. By words. Deuteronomy chapter 28 says so. Leviticus 26. Okay? Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring again the captivity of Jacob's tents. Plural. Tents. Not singular. Tents. Why? Twelve of them, but it's two houses. Tents. The two houses. The two wives. Okay? And have mercy on his dwelling places, and the city shall be built upon her own heap, and the palace shall remain after the manner thereof. It will not change when the Messiah sits on this earth. Let's go to the next slide. Daniel chapter 9 verses 25. Daniel is praying. And this is what he said. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to do what? Number one, restore. And number two, to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah. The prince shall be what? Seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. Carries two meanings. Because we know what the uh, Ezra and had to do. When they were building it, they, were, they had a, a shovel in one hand and a sword in another. <laughs> in troublous times, because they were always under attack. But that was only that first event, because a second is to come. Okay? Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So after all the three and a half years spent with the disciples, plus on 40 days on top of that, Right? They ask him a question. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. When the therefore had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time do what? Restore again what? The kingdom to who? Israel. Will you at this time? Now, 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 now. You can do now. We spent three and a half years with you. We know why you came. 
We know where you went, and you're going to do it now. And he told them it's not the time for you to know these things. But go and preach the word. Okay? Because they got other Israelites out there. Next slide. This is what Christianity teaches. They don't teach restore. They teach Israel is done away with. No restoration for Israel. The Messiah didn't come to restore Israel. The Messiah came to start a church. Peter, upon this rock I'll build my church. Upon this rock, build my church. Right? And that's what they run with. They say that the law was abolished. Therefore, no more Israel. Israel has been replaced. No Israel. Christians are now under a quote-unquote new covenant. Right? We now we are all going to heaven because the song book says so. When we all go to heaven. Is that what the song? Get to heaven. See, I don't even know all the words. When we all get to heaven. I don't want y'all to start singing too much because then you might fall back into um, churchianity. When we all get to heaven and so forth and so forth. This is all the different things that they teach. But what does restore mean? What does restore mean? <clears throat> restore means that, let's use a car for example. The car was in a wreck. It was a, a 1957 Chevy. Beautiful car. It was in a wreck. You take that car from the crooked, messed up state that it was in, you bring it to the body shop, you bring it to the mechanic, and they straighten everything out. The light bulbs that was there from back in 1957, they don't look for new light bulbs or new lights from 2015 or whatever and stick that in there. They use, get the old bulbs, old style stuff and put it back in there. Is that correct? Restoration means to bring back something to the original state. Original state. The way it was intended by the manufacturer. So the maker is your husband. Is he going to make you into something different, a church? Restore to Israel. Twelve tribes. That's why the gate that was around the city didn't have a Baptist name, Catholic name on it. It was twelve tribes of Israel. You all know that, right? Revelation 21. Who were captive and needed restoration? Isaiah chapter 45 and 13. I have raised him up in righteousness, and I will direct all his ways. He shall build my city, and he shall let go my captives. When was the Baptist ever a captive? <clears throat> when was the Adventist ever captives? The Messiah was to <laughs> let go the captives. Not for price nor reward, saith the Lord of hosts. Next slide. Ezekiel 6 and 9. They that escape of you shall remember me among the nations. Those that escape. When did the Baptist escape? When was the Catholics fugitives escaping? Hmm? They never was. They just stole our identity and rolling with it. Right? They that escape of you shall remember me among the nations whither they shall be carried captive. This word nations also means goyim or Gentiles. Okay? 
Because I am broken with their harsh heart, so whatever they do, he feels it. Okay? Which have departed from me, and with their eyes which go and horn after their idols, and they shall loathe themselves for the evils which they have committed in all their abominations. So they'll feel sorry that man we really messed up. That's what it means. True repentance. That's for Israel. Next slide. Let's go to Luke chapter 4 and 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken hearted. Hmm. To preach deliverance to the captives. And recovering of sight to the blind. So the Messiah shows up, opens the book, he looks around, he can't find no Baptists. He can't find no Adventists. Because they're the ones that were supposed to be restored. They're the ones that were captives, right? They're the ones that were blind. Is that true? Yes. <laughs> the Adventists, the Church of God, Seventh Day, the Episcopal, the Methodists, all of these different religions or churches, denominations. He looked around and couldn't find them, so he packed up his bags and went back to heaven. No, it's speaking about a people that were at that time in captivity, under Roman rule and under the different nations. And recovered of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. Next slide. Isaiah 42, verses 1. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect, in whom my soul delighted. I have put my spirit upon him. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, anointed me. Boom. I put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. Hmm. These Gentiles are who? We'll find out. I alone have called thee in righteousness, and I will hold thine hand and will keep thee. I will hold your hand like a wife. Hold you. Relationship, right? And give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles. So he sent his son to do what? Be a light to a particular people who have been known as the Gentiles. Scattered. But the world wants us to believe that it's talking about all, all the nations. And not Israel being Gentiles. To open the blind eyes to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit where? In darkness out of the prison houses. Isaiah 42, 18 and 20. <clears throat> Hear ye deaf and look ye blind that you may see. Still speaking about Israel. Continue. Who is blind but my servant? Or deaf? Let's see who is blind. Who is blind? Who is the one that is blind? But my servant. Or deaf as my messenger that I sent. Who is blind as he that is perfect? And blind as the Lord's servant. Seeing many things, but thou observe not. Is it speaking about the Messiah here? Is the Messiah blind? No. It's speaking about Israel. Who was to be in light because I have given them the Torah and the nations will see that the Most High has, has called them to be a special people. So these people are wise and understanding people. But he heareth not because we lack the Torah, keeping of the Torah. 
the light was moved away from us, the instructions are no longer light our path, now we're blind. Romans 11.25, we'll see what it says. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this, what? Mystery. That's the second time we've heard Rav Shaul or Paul speaks about a mystery. Right? First time was the wife. Now he's bringing another explanation of this mystery. Lest ye should be wise in your own conceits that the blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in, become in. Everything is happening for a time. Two different Gentiles in this reference here. One is the real Gentile nations and one is blind Israel, also known as Gentiles. If you don't know the history and the language that is used, you're going to be confounded. It's important to separate in context what is referred to. The Gentiles' fullness is dealing when the nations have reached its peak, its time. To rule over everything. Jerusalem will be destroyed until the times of the Gentiles be what? Be fulfilled. Thank you. Come on, next slide. Isaiah 49, verse 8 to 9. Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time, when it's the right time, have I heard thee, and in a day of what? Salvation have I helped thee, I will preserve thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people, to establish the earth, to cause to inherit the, the desolate heritages. The Most High has heard, he's always listening, but he sent the Messiah to do what? To be the covenant, to give thee for a covenant of the people. In a time when the Messiah was sent for salvation, that was his job. Verses 9, that thou mayest say to the prisoners that you, Messiah, will say to the prisoners, go forth to them that are in darkness, show yourselves. They shall feed in the ways, like a shepherd feeding the sheep, okay? And their pastures shall be in all high places. So we're not going to be on a low level anymore. We're not going to be on a low level. We'll be on a high level. He says, I've chosen you to be above what? All, all people on the face of the earth. Next slide. The head and not the tail. That's correct. Let's see what David prophesied in the book of Psalms 147 and verses 2. The Lord door built up Jerusalem, he gathered together the what? Outcast of Israel. Caiaphas prophesied not to die for that nation only, but that he should gather together those that were scattered, them that were scattered, right? It says, David prophesied, it says, verses 3, He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. Who's the them he's referred to? Israel. So David was prophesied the role of the Messiah was to deal with Israel. Do we all agree? Do we all see that? All eyes are open. Alright, good. He showed his word, verses 19, he showed his word unto the whole world. <coughs> Jacob, Jacob, his statutes and his judgments unto Israel. Israel. He have not dealt so with 
any nation. So why are we told to believe Jesus came to save the whole world? Jacob and Israel. Passed. Jacob and past and future. Thank you. He had not dealt so with any nation, and as for his judgments, they have not known them. Praise be the Lord. Who's prophesying? David. So the New Testament people who only have the New Testament, and sometimes they'll have those little Gideon Bibles that have the Proverbs and the Psalms. And sometimes they'll have those little Gideon Bibles that have the Proverbs and the Psalms. What about this prophecy? Didn't you read that in the prophecies? To see that, you know, the Messiah came for Israel? Next slide. Unlike the kingdom of Judah, which was able to return from its Babylonian captivity, the ten tribes of the northern kingdom had never kingdom never had a foreign edict granted permission to return and rebuild their homeland. Many centuries later, rabbis of the restored kingdom of Judah were still debating the return of the lost ten tribes. So, the ten tribes of Israel went into Assyria, and they never returned back. There was a few sprinkles that remained because of Hezekiah and, and other things like that, but as a people, the millions, they were slaughtered, they were taken into captivity, and they had to be brought back because the prophets, the prophecy was that the Messiah has to restore Israel. How, he, how is he going to restore Israel if they're no longer a people? They're destroyed. You can't restore something that doesn't exist. Imagine you want to restore a car, 1957 Chevy, but there's no parts to restore it. The car will remain in the same condition always broken. So there have to be a process of things available to restore it. Everyone get that? No, Next no slide. Hmm? No, there's no car to restore. There's no car to restore. And this is a picture of the Assyrians taking Hebrews into captivity. Of course you can see the nappy here, the long garments, the war garments on the Assyrian spear. Two men going into captivity. See that? So we know that they had nappy hair. And nappy hair is not the, the most popular thing amongst peoples. They don't like that. There's a, there's a reason for that. The Most High allowed that spirit to be upon people, to hate us, to cause us to be afflicted spirit and body for a time. And then, I guess the pros will be back in business again later on. We'll see. If that be the will of the Most High. Next slide. Matthew 4. Gospel to the world? Question mark. Was the gospel to the world? Let's see what it says. Matthew 4 and 13. And 12, excuse me. Now when Jesus, or Yeshua, had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed where? Into Galilee. Didn't the prophet speak about Galilee? Into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the sea coast in the borders of where? Zebulon. Is that a coincidence? And where? Naphtali. Naphtali, the land of Naphtali, the same place that the king took them into, uh, from those lands into Assyria, the same place that he went to preach the word. What was he talking about? 
that it might be fulfilled, wait a minute, fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, hmm, saying, the land of Zebulon, the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Galilee of the Gentiles. Hmm. The people which sat what? In darkness saw a great light. The people that sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region, the shadow of death. Remember what we read earlier, it says that the Gentiles, the light will come unto the Gentiles. And so we interpret that as being all the people in the world. That's not what the Bible is saying, though. The Gentiles is lost Israelites who have become as Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region, the shadow of death's light is sprung up. The region. The region is not the whole world. So when the Messiah came, he didn't say, you know what? Let's leave this place, this old dusty place. Let's go to Rome. Let's go up to England. Let's go to Germany. We've got lots of people there. Come on, guys. Let me, I'm going to uh, teach you to speak uh, German. Boom. You can speak Peter. You can speak German. John, boom. You're going to speak uh, Latin. Boom. You're going to speak English. Russian, boom. He didn't do that. Alright, from that time Yeshua began to preach and to say what? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Next slide. Verses 18, Matthew 4 and 18. And Yeshua, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, Andrew's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, I will make you fishers of the whole world. Of all, every, everyone. No, of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, men in their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. And Yeshua went about all the world, Galilee, brothers and sisters, teaching in where? Their synagogue. So we know it's not speaking about other nations, Israelites. And preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sicknesses and all manner of disease among who? Israelites, the people. Okay? So who was the one who sat in darkness? Our people. Our people. Next slide. Matthew 9 and 35, 36. And Yeshua went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Hmm. We saw what the word gospel meant or means. It's dealing with flesh, kin, relationship, bloodline, seed. That's what it's dealing with, right? The good news or the seed or the bloodline of the kingdom. And healing every sickness and every disease among the people, not the whole world. And when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having what? No, no shepherd. They didn't have any shepherd. 
Now the Romans occupied all of Judea, and they had foreign troops all over the place. They didn't go out and say, hey, soldiers. And the soldiers not only serve, but there are people who serve the soldiers. Look at the military today. Whenever, um, uh, like when the U.S. send their troops over to Iraq, you have contractors that go out there and build in conditions, set up uh, computer networks, um, housing, and all those different things to take care of the military while the military is fighting the war. The same thing with Rome. They had the military all over Israel, and there were contractors serving the Roman Empire, uh, army. Did the Messiah go and preach to those people also? No. Sheep having no shepherd. Let's continue. Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 and 6 and 7. These twelve Yeshua sent forth and commanded them. Commanding them is a strong word, right? Saying, go not into the way of the Gentiles. Now in this sense, He's speaking about who? Don't go to the other nations. The other nations. And into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to who? The lost sheep of the house of Israel. There are two references to Samaritans. I want to make that very clear. There are true Gentile type Samaritans, not Israelite. And they are Israelites who are Samaritans by mixture. They live in those places. The cities are places where certain people live, certain groups. It's like when you go to, um, we're watching a film, a documentary, you go to the Bronx. You have one section of the Bronx that is strictly Caribbean, Jamaican. Then you go to another uh, section and it's strictly Italian or something, or whatever, Chinese or something, you know what I'm saying? So each, each one of those are considered a city because that's a people that's dwelling within their city. The whole place is called the Bronx, but the city pertains to the people that makes up that area. Does that make sense? Okay. Go around to the Lord, the house of Israel, and as you go, preach, say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verses 11. And into whatever, whatsoever city or town you shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy. Who in it is worthy? So same thing with the journey through the wilderness. Some Israelites were not worthy, and they died. All Israel came out, but only a few were saved. And there abide till you go thence. Next slide. Matthew 11. Are you he that should come? Let's see. Very interesting. And it came to pass when Yeshua had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in prison, as you know John was arrested by Herod and put into prison. And this, what I'm reading here, needs to be explained because a lot of people read this and they get confused. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, the Messiah, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Are you he that should come, or do we look for another? A lot of people get confused and say, Well, John was doubting. How many of y'all believe that? Was John doubting? Was John like, he's going to die, so he want to be sure, and he's not too sure if he's the Messiah or not? 
Okay, good. That's correct. He was not doubting. Are you he that should come? Come to do what? When the Messiah opened the book, he read only to a certain point and stopped. Let's read on. Or do we look for another? Another for what? To do what? That's the question. The role of the Messiah is very important. Yeshua answered and said unto them, Go and show John. So now he's given an answer to their question. Are you him? Let me explain some things that you can bring back to John to show you my role. He answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. You are his witnesses. You are his Talmudim, his disciples. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. And the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. He was explaining to them the role, his role. Just as he read in the book. If he had continued reading the rest, he would have fulfilled that. John wanted to know, are you going to do everything now? What exactly are you going to do? And he explained to the disciples, John's disciples, that he only came to do half of the project. John was in prison. John is going to die. John says, I am the messenger. I came to bring the word. To pave the way for the Messiah. That's the reason why it says, Elijah shall come on the great coming day, day of the Lord. And John came in the spirit of Elijah. But at that particular time, I know I'm in the spirit of Elijah, but am I going to are you coming to fulfill all or just part of it? So the answer is in the <clears throat> answers a question. Explain to John what you hear and see. I came to bring sight to the blind, to make the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor, the gospel preached to them. Amen? So he explained the role. So now the disciples go back to John and says, hey, he only came to do a certain part of his role. That's why Jewish people say they don't believe in the Messiah. Because he did not fulfill what the prophet spoke of. Yeshua read only part of the book and explained his role at that particular time. The other half he has to fulfill. When you read the Torah, the Tanakh, it explains the roles piece by piece. It says Yeshua opened the book and he read the book of Isaiah. And he read to a certain point and he stopped. And if you read the rest of it, it says vengeance. It continues with the word vengeance. Okay? And that basically is saying that the role of the Messiah is not only to heal, but also to inflict vengeance upon those nations. Rome was also an adversary, killing out Israelites, specifically the tribe of Judah, Benjamin, Levi. So there was a, a struggle in those parts of the world. All the world was under the Roman boot. So even if Israel ran away somewhere else, wherever Rome had the control, the power, they were subject unto that power. So John the Baptist also 
I'm sure in his mind he was he wanted to know, are you going to release me from prison? Because <laughs> Herod, which is an Edomite, is under the control of Rome. Okay? Let's go to the next slide. 18 says, And Yeshua walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon, Paul, Peter, Andrew, his brother, casting their net into the sea. For they were, what? Fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. When you compare this with the prophecy, the role of the Messiah is to get men to fish for Israelites. Jeremiah prophesied about that. Jeremiah 16, verses 15 to verses 16. You can see the comparison. Look at this one. But the Lord liveth, that brought up the children of who? Israel. Not the whole world. From the land of the north, and from the lands whither he had driven them. And I will bring them again into their land that I gave unto their fathers. So he made a promise to the forefathers, and he's going to fulfill that in the future. Okay? Behold, I will send for many fishers, saith the Lord, and they, the fishers, shall fish them. Fish for who? Children of Israel. So he didn't call Peter to go look for Germans, unless they were Israelites who lived in Germany. Or Israelites who live in Babylon. Or Israelites who live in all of these foreign countries. That's why when we read the book of Acts chapter 2, they spoke different languages and they were all Israelites coming together on Shavuot or Pentecost. Those who received word, those who came to celebrate the appointed time, they came to Jerusalem. They came from different nationalities or countries. Okay? So I will send for many fishers, saith the Lord, and they shall fish them. After will I send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them from every mountain and from every hill and out of the holes of the rocks. Kind of like what, what's happening today. Right. A lot of uh, our men are going out and bringing the word to our people on high levels in government, hunting for them in the lower levels of government and even in the prison houses, the holes, the incarcerated brothers and sisters, okay? Okay, so Matthew chapter 19 verses 20 to 30, we will learn from this particular text that this is all dealing with the tribes of Israel. Let's see what it says. And Yeshua said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that you, O ye, which have followed me in the regeneration. What does that mean? Regeneration. Restoration. Restoration of the seed. Restoration of the seed. Because gene is part of that word. Re, bring back again the genes. The seed. Okay? In the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of who? Israel. What does it say about the world? They're going to be sitting on the thrones, judging the world. Adventists, Baptists, Episcopal, 
It's Israel. Very plain, everyone can see it. And everyone that have forsaken, what? Houses. Or brethren. Or brethren. Or sisters. Or father. Mother. Or wife. Or children. Or lands. For whose name's sake? My name's sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. Remember the story of Job. When he was put to the test, he forsake everything. Even his wife came and says, curse God and die. We losing everything. You might as well just curse the one who gave it to you. That's craziness, madness. He says, you are just like one of the foolish women. I know foolish women when I see them. And to speak against the Most High is a sign of madness. And in the end, he, he uh, ended up with more than he had before. Better looking wife than what he had, right? Better conversation, better children, everything was better. Verse 30, but many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Israel is the last right now. We're in the bottom of the food chain. No one cares about us. It's not a coincidence. So those people, those Gentiles, Europeans, is going to be at the top all the time. And when the kingdom comes, they're going to be on the top again. Makes a lot of sense, right? Huh. Somebody spoke the wrong chapter of the book. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Let's go to the next slide. Luke 24, verses 46. And said unto them, Thus it is written, Thus it behoved Christ to what? Suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. But where does it start? Beginning at Jerusalem. That's the prophecy. It starts there and extends to the rest of the world. Because Judah, most of the Yuhadim, the Judah, Judites, were in the land at that time. Not all of them. And you are witnesses of these. And behold, I sent the promise of my Father upon you. So the Father was the one who commissioned the Messiah to do a job. The Messiah's job is to commission the disciples to continue that job. That's all it is. I was not sent, but unto Israel. I'm, not, I'm sending you, don't go to the Gentiles, but go to Israel. And then the church come around and says, we don't even talk about that. How many churches speak about looking for the lost sheep of Israel? Anyone? No. Have you ever heard that before? No, because they, don't, they were not taught that. They have another gospel. Alright, and behold, verse 49, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So stay here until I have lit the match, the fuse, I should say. Put that word within you, that spirit. Next slide. Where did they continue to worship? Luke 24 and verses 50. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them, 
and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with what? They didn't go somewhere else as yet, but they returned back to Jerusalem with great joy. And were continually where? In the church. In the temple. Is that what it says? In the temple. The church. Not church, temple. The show of the elder. Yes. So, the rag that used to wipe that sweat off your head, you got to throw it in the trash. That's gone already. The stump in the feet, <laughs> throw it in the trash. Right? Where did they go? In the temple. The temple is a Hebrew place, right? Continually in the temple doing what? Praising. Praising and blessing God. Amen. Let's go to the next slide. Matthew 24 and 14. We're coming to the end. And this gospel, what did we say the gospel was again? Good times. Good times. We'll, we'll review it in a second. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. You can see Israelites on the bottom of the screen working in uh, captivity. Uh, you can see over here with uh, the slave trade, Israelites being spread all across these nations on one side. Over here, they're spread over to the other side of the world, like uh, Iran and India and all those other places and things like that, through the Arab. This is the European side of things. This is the Arab side over here, some degree, and it's mixed a little bit. But this is the reason why the gospel has to be preached into all the world. Because when you read the book of Luke chapter 1, when you read that, you can see that they were looking for redemption to be freed from enslavement, from the oppressor. As long as we have the United States over our heads, which is an extension of Rome, or England, or France, or Spain, or whatever country over our heads, we're still in captivity. Because we cannot do as we, as the Most High would like us to do. That's why the Lord said to Moses, Moses go tell uh, Pharaoh to let my people go that they may do what? Worship me. It's difficult for us to truly worship the Most High the way He wants us to because of all the pollution and also the captivity. Let's go to the next slide. So the gospel is being what? Preach. Being preached. Look at all the brothers on the streets, everywhere. I can show you Holland, France, Italy. I can show you the Caribbean, all over the place. The brothers are going out and they're teaching. Everywhere on the street, letting the people know what is happening. These are just a small few examples. They got their fringes of different kinds, they have the garments of different kinds all over the world. Nigeria has a whole, a huge amount. As a matter of fact, I saw a recently organization, Shabai, I think it's called, that uh, now is reaching out to the people in West Africa. They're now sending emissaries over there. All along, we're sending them to China, and then mostly to Europe, and to certain parts of South America, but all of a sudden, they're interested in the, in the Ipoh. Hmm. That is very interesting. And the Ipoh numbers in the tens of millions. 
So, brothers and sisters, let's go back to the top real quick. Isaiah 61 and 1. The Spirit of the Lord, Yehovah, Elohim is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book. This is where he closed the book. Acceptable year of the Lord, and he stopped right there. Now, if he had continued reading, then John wouldn't have asked, sent his disciples to ask a question. Let's read on. And the day of vengeance of our God. See, he never read that part. If he read the word vengeance, when he told Peter, Peter, do you have a sword? Peter says, I got two. He says it was enough. <laughs> that, would, that wouldn't have been the end of that story. Peter would have raised up an army of men that would take out these Romans. And the angels of the Most High would have been with them. And we would have been born in this time. It would have been over back then. It would have been a wonderful and glorious time, brothers and sisters. But here we are today. <laughs> Getting shot in the back, run over by police, lowest wages, the worst of everything. Start a job, can't even continue. We are the lowest of the level. But he says here, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn and to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Amen. So, if he had read all of these things in the building of always places, guess what? They would have understood that right on the spot. That is the reason when you read the, I think it's Matthew or Luke, when Herod asked the wise men, it was Matthew, right? He asked the wise men, uh, where is he, the king of the Jews? Why? Because the prophecy said in Revelation chapter 19, Ezekiel and so forth, that when the, the, most, the Messiah returns, he's going straight to deal with Edom. And he's going to take the sword and the Bible says he's coming on a white horse, garments dipped in red, and he's going to inflict damage. Obadiah, you read all of those books, you see where he's going to destroy even the book of Genesis, who's this that's called this diet? Isaiah 63. Let's pull that up, Josh. And we can see that Herod was concerned because he was an Edomite. So he wanted to know, is, 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 is it time for this to be fulfilled? But it didn't happen at that time. So he took the first step by killing all the children two years and younger. Isaiah 63 and verses 1. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Bozrah? Bozrah is Edomite territory, right? This is 
This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength, I that speak in righteousness mighty to save, wherefore art thou red in thy apparel? Why are you red in your garments? And thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine fat. In other words, you look like you just came from work, working in the, in the wine press. Why is your garments so colored? What did he say? I have trodden the wine press alone, and of the people there was none with me, for I would tread them in my anger and trample them in my fury. And their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. Verses 4. For the day of vengeance is in my, my heart, excuse me, and the gear of my redeemed is come. We read that before. The acceptable day of the Lord and vengeance follows. <coughs> Revelations chapter 19. After these things I heard a great voice from much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication. That's the gospel that we all know of there. Not the true gospel which pertains to the flesh. Okay? And hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Hallelujah. And her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the twenty and four. Four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshiped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. Revelations 19 and 11. I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doeth what? Judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns, because he's wearing the crown of a king and also the high priest. Okay? Amen. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in what? Blood. So who's this coming out from Bozrah with his garments dyed? And right at the top it says Edom, he's coming to slaughter the Gentiles, the Edomites. Okay, so this is what he's coming to do, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth was a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them. So they have to be around. The book of Psalms, chapter two. Sit here my right, hand, my right hand until what? The enemies become the footstool. Okay? Kiss the sun, otherwise he's going to be what? Angry with you. Sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron and he treadeth the what? The winepress of a fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. So, we can see the good news is not even finished yet. There's more good news, brothers. The good news is seeing Esau's butt get whooped. 
is written for all that they have done to our people. It's not our position to do that for ourselves. All we have to do is turn back to our King. 